Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day, guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have called me your friend, and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help whenever I have a need in my life. Lord, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face, your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice, and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by any other voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of your righteousness. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you will give it to me liberally. So I am asking for wisdom in the name of Jesus to hear you clearly and consistently today and every day. Help me, Lord, to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. Uh, my name is Chris Algramson, and thanks for being here. I just want to remind you that you can visit our website at truepatriotministries.org, and you can also uh, capture our podcasts on Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, and many, many other apps. We're, wherever your favorite app is that you listen to, we're most likely on there. If not, you can always go to our website. We do have a page for our podcasts, and you can go to Buzzsprout uh, feed where I have it hosted at. Now, if you need to reach out to us, and please feel free to do so. We look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. Uh, you can do so through email at reachout, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. You can also find us on our Facebook page. And you can message us through WhatsApp or Messenger through our Facebook page. So today we are continuing with our series, Becoming, and we are in episode four. Now, this is discussing the elementary principles of Jesus Christ. And today we're going to be covering baptisms. And this is an exciting one. I think... Uh, a lot of people are familiar with water baptism, but there's so much more to baptisms than just water baptism, and we want to get into that today. Now, our text for this series is Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, and chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And starting in chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use 
have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So I'd like to make a note here that as we see in Scripture, Jesus made it clear to us that he didn't come to call the righteous to repentance because they're already righteous. He came to call the unrighteous, the sinner, to repentance, that they may receive salvation, becoming righteous through Jesus. Now, I say this because I want everybody to understand that a person who has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior does not have to be worthy in order to receive him. Every person who has come to Christ has been a sinner. God does not see one sin as greater than another. To him, sin is sin. You see, Jesus is the only one who can make us worthy to receive salvation. And he's the one that gives it to us as a gift when we receive him. And that is a glorious thing. So let's back this up with a little bit of scripture. Let's jump over to Matthew chapter 9. And let's look at verses 10 through 13. It says, While Jesus sat at supper in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Next, let's go to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. And it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him, him being Jesus, to hear him. But the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he places it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Then when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Likewise, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous men who need no repentance. So let's talk about the first baptism. This is the baptism into the body of Christ, also called the blood baptism. Now, when you repent, when you make that mental decision to turn away from the path that you're currently on and turn towards God, that's when the Holy Spirit meets you where you're at. See, the Holy Spirit is the one that baptizes you into the body of Christ. And it is at this point that the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in you. That may sound strange, but you'll, I think you'll understand. We'll just keep moving here. So there are some interesting things that happen to you when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. First and foremost, you are a new creature in Christ. 
You're born from above. You're born into the body of Christ. You are, are, are new. Okay. And this is spiritually. Now, physically, obviously your, your physical body doesn't become brand new and you're a babe again and all of that. No, we're talking spiritual. Your spirit is reborn. You are a new creature in Christ, no longer separated from God by sin. So let's look at John chapter 14, verse six. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And further down in John 14, in verses 16 through 17 and 25, 26, it says, I will ask the Father, and this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Now, this is a great verse simply because he's showing us some of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do for us and in us. I mean, he's, he's the comforter, he's the counselor, he's the helper. He says he's going to teach us all things, and he's going to bring to remembrance all that he said to us. And so that's a great thing. We, As far as, as the Word of God goes, we never have dementia. You just don't. You've got the Holy Spirit. You just talk to him and tell him, look, <laughs> what is that verse? I forget. Bring it to remembrance for me, please. So at any rate, that's a great verse. I really like that. And we jump into uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, and it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And that speaks right back to what I was telling you earlier about the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts. It, It comes through the Holy Spirit when He comes to indwell us. It's ours, so we don't really have to work for that. We just have to learn how to use it, how to live in it, how to walk in it. So, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. And these are all pertaining to salvation, to the new birth, right? I want you to just get this down in there. So, you've heard it at least once, and now you can go back and reference it when you need to. So, in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, it says, For you, again, this is Jesus, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So this this verse, and the reason I included this is it, it shows one, adoption. Okay, we are sons and daughters. We are children of God. He adopts us. He takes us in and he considers us his children. Not only that, but because we are his children, we are now joint heirs with his son, Jesus Christ. And when we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the beauty in that is because we're a joint heir. It's like having a a title to a vehicle that says, and Joe and Jane. 
Well, Joe can't sell the vehicle without Jane and Jane can't sell the vehicle without Joe. There has to be a mutual thing because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. It's an and title, right? It's, it's Chris Algramson and Jesus Christ. I can't sell it, give it away, damage it that, that way. Uh, and he, he would never do it anyway, but he couldn't do it either. So that's important to understand. And I hope that makes sense to you. So let's move on to Romans 10, verses 8 through 13, and and you will become very familiar with these verses. So in verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Second Corinthians 5 verse 17, we see it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by the grace, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. So there's just a handful of verses that play into the baptism into the body of Christ and the benefits that you receive from Jesus at that time. The second baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire, spoken of by John the Baptist prior to baptizing Jesus in the Jordan. We first see this happens in Acts when about 120 believers were meeting in the upper room when the sound of a mighty rushing wind filled the house and tongues of fire rested on each of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. That's pretty neat. That would have been a sight to see. I I truly believe that. So now this is a different action than when you receive salvation and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are immersed. You are submerged, however you want to say it, in the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit. And and with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So this is a supernatural power that helps you to perform the works that God has called you to do. And don't get hung up or confused by tongues. Here we're talking about the supernatural prayer language that we receive as a gift. The key word being receive. So if somebody wants to hand you a bottle of water, it's not actually your bottle of water until you put your hand out and receive it from them. Okay? It's the same with any gift from God. It's already there for you. So envision that person holding their hand out. The bottle of water is in their hand, extended towards you. They're waiting on you to to approach and to take it, which is receiving it. Okay, God's the same way. All right. Any gift he has for us, it's already there waiting on us. Okay, 
We are not waiting on him to give it to us. We're not standing there with our hand out saying, God, come bring this to me and give it to me. No, we need to be uh, led of the Holy Spirit, filled in faith and, and ready to receive. And so it's already there for us. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us to receive and to take it from him. And, and, and that's our job to take it from him. So, you know, in that we can say that there is uh, want, need, desire, there's demand, there's expectation, and there's there's giving and receiving, sowing and reaping. A lot of biblical, um, a lot of God rules going on right here. And and God is good. He doesn't change his rules midstream. Okay, I want to get you to understand this. He has given you the pattern for what to do, and he expects you to do it. When you do your part of it, he does his part. It's as simple as that. Now, there's some things that he will do his part first so that you are empowered to do your part, but you still have to receive that. And that's why repentance was so important. Repentance from dead works and then receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, that's that's why that's so important. Because when you receive him, you receive the faith necessary to uh, perform, to do works, um, to just sustain battle, however you want to put it. There's so many things that you, you receive faith for. Now, the Holy Spirit gives to each each of us supernatural gifts as he wills. Now, these are um, temporary gifts, I'd like to say, and, and they are, uh, I'll go through a list of them, but they're temporary gifts. They come to us. They may not reside with us at all times. Um, and we may flow more in some of them than we do in others because it's as the Holy Spirit wills. Each of us is called to a different calling. Because we're called to a different calling, there are going to be times when we need certain gifts more than we need other gifts. And somebody else's need of a gift is going to be different than ours. So the gifts are uh, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, supernatural faith, gifts of healing, the effecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that He imparts as He wills, typically when it's necessary for us to have them, or if He wants to get something to us through revelation or something like that. He may use word of knowledge. He may use um, word of wisdom. And, and that's how He gets them to us. And that's a fantastic thing. So the gifts are very important. And it comes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 11, excuse me. And this is speaking about John the Baptist. It says, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, talking about the same subject here, and speaking about John the Baptist, it says, John answered them all, I, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. The strings of whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So let's jump over to Acts 
chapter 2, verse 1, and, and this is when the disciples, the apostles, received the Holy Spirit themselves. And it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire, being distributed and resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now, dwelling in Jerusalem were Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. So when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were confounded because each man heard them speaking in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to each other, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own native tongue? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, we're going to talk about the gifts. We spoke about these earlier, but I want to get you into Scripture where you can see what, where these gifts are located at. Uh, and, and write this down. Put this in the front of your Bible because you're going to see these gifts often, and you're going to hear about them often, and you need to know where to locate them. And it's starting in verse 4, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so let's look at one last set of verses in Scripture pertaining to the gifts in the Holy Spirit, um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 and 11 through 16. And it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statute which, stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and de deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, 
from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And that's vital. There was a lot of information right there. And so there's gifts, there's expectation to grow. There's also the the evidence there that we are the body of Christ and we are to work together in unity. And so that's all very, very important. The third baptism is the baptism in water or water baptism, however you want to say it. And it's typically performed with an audience of family members, loved ones, other believers, um, unless you're visiting somebody's church and then it may be strangers to you, but it's, it's typically done in a semi-public format. Now, some people view water baptism as optional, and I do disagree with this. When you look at Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, which is part of our, our text, the doctrine of baptisms is required to advance from the milk to the solid food. You know, therefore, I do believe that it is required in order to grow spiritually. Now, the world will tell you that water baptism is largely symbolic. That it means very little, but that's, it's just not true. So let's walk through water baptism in steps to make it more clear. And these steps, the verbiage and all of that is going to vary from place to place, from believer to believer, from pastor to pastor, whoever's performing the, the baptism. It and, and don't get hung up on being exact or, or legalistic in what verbiage you use. The the biggest thing is that you're being baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we walk through this, the, the first thing is that the person baptizing you in water, he'll ask you, he, she, this person will ask you if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, he may say it a little different than that, but he's asking the same thing. Have you been saved? Do you have Jesus Christ in your heart as your personal Savior? And do you confess him with your mouth? And that's part of the question. That's part of why he's asking, because it gets you to confess him with your mouth. Now, when you confess that you have received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this part right there represents dying to your old sinful self on the cross, just as Jesus died on the cross. The person performing the baptism will continue by saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he's going to submerge you. And as you are being submerged, you are indeed demonstrating the burial of your old self, just as Jesus was buried. And finally, as you come up out of the water, You are displaying your resurrected self to the audience, just as Jesus displayed his resurrected self to the apostles. Two things happen when you receive water baptism. First, you have submitted yourself to God by being willing and obedient to do what he asks you to do. Don't undersell this. You have just proven to God that you love him, and that you're willing to put what he wants above what you want. 
Because honestly, most of us, we don't want to be on public display because it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. We feel like everybody's looking at us. Well, in this case, pretty much everybody is looking at you. But you're putting that behind you and you're putting what God wants you to do above that. And that is, that's wonderful. And second, you have witnessed to others through your obedience. So what that means is, is water baptism, in a nutshell, is an outward expression of an inward witness. And I like the way that is said. I don't know where I got that. I, I've been taught that for a long time. It's an outward expression of an inward witness. So you, you, are, you are performing that act of witnessing to those around you that, hey, just like Jesus, I died to my old self on the cross. I was buried and I was resurrected. I am a new creation, and this is my confession, my public confession. And it's a wonderful thing, and it's to be celebrated. Not only that, but because you're being obedient to God, it gives him full rights to perform things in your life. And that's important. That's what we're after, right? We want to make sure that there's that clear pathway between us and God, that we're obedient, that we're not afraid to submit ourselves to him, so that we can, and, and be willing to do so, so willing and obedient, so that we can reap a harvest off what we are sowing. And, and it, maybe you're just sowing a good word to somebody. Maybe you're sowing money to some, some cause or, or whatever it is you're sowing. You're sowing time to God. Maybe he's asked you to dedicate yourself to doing a specific thing for him. That is indeed sowing a seed, and you will reap a harvest from that because you're willing and obedient. Being willing only isn't any good. Being obedient only isn't any good because being willing and obedient, okay? Willing is the heart. Obedient is the action. He wants both, and so, so don't let that slip away from you. It's just, it's very important. So again, outward expression of an inward witness. Water baptism is a great thing. Um, and, and it should be fun. You should enjoy it. You should just let people know, hey, I am saved. Jesus Christ is my personal Lord, my my personal Savior. And uh, yeah, I'm willing and obedient. So let's look at a couple of verses here real quick, or a couple of different scriptures. Let's start in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says, After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And so we know Jesus was water baptized. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, that's a great scripture. I, I really enjoy that scripture. 
He is with us always. We are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that speaks right to the water baptism. And, you know, I hope you've gotten something out of this series. I've really enjoyed it. Be sure to connect with us on the website, truepatriotministries.org, through our Facebook page, True Patriot Ministries. There you can contact us through WhatsApp and through Messenger. Also on the webpage, there is a Messenger icon down in the bottom right of most pages. You can reach, uh, reach out to us that way. You can reach out to us through our email, uh, which is reachout at truepatriotministries.org. And, you know, I really enjoy this series. I know uh, in the next session, we are going to cover the laying on of hands. And I look forward to that. That's a great one. And I really, like I said, I hope you're getting something out of this. And I've enjoyed doing them. Uh, I'm also, just so you have a heads up, I'm going to do some ministry shorts. And I'll probably produce one a week just as some bonus content. And they will be just that. They're going to be ministry shorts. I'll take a couple of scriptures, put them out there, put some comments with it. And uh, just give you something that's encouraging and uplifting. Probably set it to go on Wednesdays so that you have something midweek. And I'll probably move my podcast to being distributed on Sundays on a regular schedule. So look forward to that. You know, let me pray over you before we go. I, I just feel like I should, and and I appreciate you letting me. Father, I just come before you and I ask you, these are your children, Lord. They love you. They have accepted you. And, and they're part of the family. And I just pray that you would bless them, Lord, that the blessing of Abraham would be upon them, that, that your grace, your mercy, your favor, Lord, would be on them. Their eyes open, their ears open, Lord, that they see and hear the word of God, the word of truth, and they receive it, Lord, in their hearts, in their spirits. And I pray, Lord God, that you would grant them wisdom and revelation into you and your word and in your way. Your path for them, Lord. May the light shine for them on the path that you have set aside for them, that they may know with, with, without doubt what your call upon their life is, and that they would seek you, Lord, earnestly and consistently. Glory to God, I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Folks, have a blessed day, and we will see you soon. We cry out to our Father for mercy for our great nation. Forgive this nation, Lord, and have mercy on us. I cry out, Lord, and ask you to mute the voices of the evil and the wicked, Lord, of the deceivers and of those who are deceived. May our nation continue to stand in your glory and in your favor until the catching away of your church. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.